0: Hello, and welcome to the Recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The Recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. First, let me say uh, welcome back to the recap. This is the August twenty seventh episode. Um, we are in First Samuel, Romans, Jeremiah, Lamentations. I
1: think one of the things that was interesting to me in Samuel was at the end of this week. Well, hey, okay, one thing that I just thought was an interesting like plot twist kind of that I've never really paid attention to before is that when Saul asks David to come and play for him, like he has no idea that David has just been anointed the next King. Like this whole, like this whole relationship that develops between Saul and David is all with Saul completely clueless about who David actually is. Yeah. Which was kind of I just have never, either noticed it or, like, paid attention to it before, and that just is a, like plot twist. I mean, I know is Saul, the king, like David becomes intricately involved in his life. Is sometime and then eventually Saul hates him, but like Saul has no idea
0: no. who this person is. Yeah, None. I know. Yeah, so that was that, it. Is interesting because like. If this is all being told in order, mm-hmm. David was actually playing for him before David comes to the battle line right. to fight Goliath, and Saul has no idea who this kid is. I've been thinking about it throughout the week, kind of like, why? how did that happen? How did he not even know? And then I'm like, oh, because he was king, and kings don't really pay attention to the liar care. players. Right. Yeah, he right. just didn't even recognize them. He was in his own room. He was in his bedroom. Okay, wait a second. So that I did not know. That I didn't notice. I thought David goes to Saul after he kills Goliath. Both. Well, he, well, he goes to him beforehand because he calls, they remember, so he's anointed. And right after he's anointed, Saul loses the Holy spirit and is afflicted by these demons. And the only thing that calms him is, uh, he wants a liar player. And these people are like, there's a really, there's a really good musician, from the son of um, Jesse. Okay, I just need to find it, so I'm not like- I know, I'm trying. So in 13, David goes and fights
1: Goliath in 14, right? Wait, 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 wait. But that's after he's been anointed. No, so isn't he anointed in 16? At the end of 16, right after he's anointed, the spirit of God leaves Saul. Yeah, okay, he leaves Saul. He goes and plays for- David
0: goes and plays for Saul and then he goes and fights Goliath. Yes. Right. And Saul doesn't know who he doesn't recognize him at the battle line. Yep. Yeah. So, like, David's, yeah. And then Saul's like, who is this person? And they're like, it's the son of Jesse. And I don't know if it doesn't make the connection that this is the same kid that's like they already called to have him play the liar for him. You know, it's such dramatic irony in the idea that we know that David's been anointed. David knows that he's been anointed. Saul doesn't know that he's been anointed. David's doing all of these things, like, "Oh my gosh, I was just anointed, and suddenly I'm being called to play the liar for the king." Right. Like, right? What was it like for like, for David? David, yeah, he's
1: sitting there, like, can you sitting there thinking, "I wonder if he knows what I know." Nope, I don't think he knows. He knows. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I think he's pretty clueless. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you know. So that's where so like we read through nineteen this week mm. and I keep waiting for date for Saul to find out who David is. Yeah. And he doesn't yet like he hates him now. He's jealous. Yeah. He's angry. He wants to kill him. Jonathan and for good reason. Right. Jonathan mm. saves his life because he goes and talks when I think it was in nineteen today when Jonathan's like Saul says I'm gonna kill him. Jonathan's like, go hide in this field and I'll bring my dad and we'll talk about it and I'll see mm-hmm. if I can like talk him down.
0: Mm-hmm. He does.
1: And so... And Milka Saul saves him. The- right. Yeah. Right. She, his wife, Saul's daughter, is the one that saves his life. Because then he changes his mind. Saul changes his mind again. Right?
0: Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So Multiple the- times. Before,
1: before the the field. Yeah, it's back and forth. There's so much back and forth.
0: A couple things that I we can't go... We can't leave for Samuel without talking about is one that the Lord regretted he had made Saul king over Israel. Like the last mm-hmm. time I remember seeing that the Lord regretted was the Lord had re- regretted making mankind before mm-hmm. the flood. No yeah, we don't see the Lord regretted very often in scripture. So that was an interesting thing that stood out to me. And then also that the Holy Spirit comes and goes off of Saul like it's just this like he has the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit's removed and the spirit of the Lord had left Saul and an evil spirit sent from the Lord began to tor- torment him so like all of this is like really hard to wrap your head around and understand wait an evil spirit sent by the Lord you Which- know hi this is Aaron and I'm glad that you're studying scripture with us here on the recap I wanted to let you know that while we take a break from dive studies in August, we are studying the parenting study that I wrote in May over on the network. Please come join us for that. You'll get the parenting study for free with an all-access pass, or you can purchase the study in the shop at divecollective.org. But you can come join us on the network for discussion at www.members.divecollective.org. Our Dive Genesis study will begin again in September with our study on Joseph. If you haven't joined us yet, we've been studying the book of Genesis in depth this year, starting with creation of Noah, then Abraham, and we just finished Jacob in July. You can catch those studies for free via podcast with a free community membership over on the network as well. I highly encourage you to join a live study though, through an all access pass. Those studies are far richer than you can imagine as your brothers and sisters bring their takeaways to the group each week can't wait to see you over in the network very soon. Now let's get back to the recap. So like there's two sides to that, I think. Like the first
1: side that you're talking about is, wait, what? Like an evil spirit sent from the Lord. But mm-hmm. the flip side of that is, oh, he controls them too. Like that yes. whole idea that Satan mm-hmm. really has no significantly power less power than region. he thinks he does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, God's sovereignty is even bigger than mm-hmm. we can possibly imagine. And then the other thing that I just love, and I think we've talked about this before. Um, I feel like in Gitmo, we talked about it at one of our talks, but I'm just really struck by the fact that David, the way that we have always been taught the story of David and Goliath, is that David never should have beat Goliath. But David had the upper hand from the very beginning, David wasn't even, David was never confused about how he was going to beat Goliath Mm-mm. or that he was going to beat Goliath. Mm-hmm. David saw Goliath's armor. David saw Goliath's shield. David saw Goliath's eyes and was like, dude, I kill bears from a hundred feet away. Like I don't, this isn't, this is not hard, you know? Yes. Yes. And, um, and I think that that's what, I mean, and that's what David is saying. He's listening. He's like, seriously, if one person takes him down, this is what he, three times he confirms like what, what's going to happen to him mm-hmm. if he goes and kills him. And he was like, really? Like, right. Like why hasn't anyone done this already? <laughs> exactly. I think I read it differently now. And then that picture of Saul trying to give him his armor and David being like I'm not going to kill him like a soldier this I'm not going that's not who I'm not a soldier I wasn't mm-hmm. equipped as a soldier I'm never going to be a soldier all of this is only going to slow me down I'm going to go do and be who I was created and equipped to do and be mm-hmm. and that is going to be how I'm going to slay this giant and I have no question about whether I'm going to be able to do it because I know who I am and what I've done and what I'm, what God's made me capable of. Right. That's and who's on
1: his side. Like he's kind yes. of, he's, he's like, guys, we have God on our side. Yeah. The God of angel armies is how he's referred to often in the message. I don't remember if he uses that's, he uses that wording in um, the prophets a lot, but it's like, David totally recognizes. It doesn't, none of this other stuff that you're seeing matters. Because we have God on our side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys are all looking at the wrong thing. Yes. Yeah.
0: But even then, like, I think we read it as though like David, I don't like think he David... was
1: like not like he was going, like he thought it, he needed sure a miracle God was going to work it. Right. Yes. Yeah. But he was totally confident in his yeah. yes. ability with God on his side to just take care of this dude.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a fun, I think that's just such a fun realization, that idea and how often I, the application there is like, and I, and I think I'm seeing it. Um, I think the last time I read it, I very much saw it as like myself, like being like, okay, I need to be comfortable in my own skin, like in my own equipping in my own, all these mm-hmm. things that God made me to be so that I could do what he wanted me to do. But now it's funny as, as a leader, I now I'm seeing it in other people and going, Oh, he's trying to put on Saul's armor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they, like I can see this person trying to put on Saul's armor or us trying to put our arm on him. On yeah. On yeah him. That's like, yeah. wait, this isn't what they were equipped for. Like they fight their giants in a totally different way than I fight my giant. And so they need to be equipped and encouraged in the way that they were equipped and encouraged Mm -hmm. rather than trying to be molded into something that they were never intended to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I see that in a couple of different places that it's just exciting. It's kind of cool to be able to see that in other people now and go, oh, I see what's happening here. And you want to like, and it's so fun to be able to build people up and be like, you don't have to be anything. If it feels like wool on your skin to try to do all of these things, then it's probably not the way that you were meant Mm -hmm. to be doing it. So Mm -hmm. Do it the way you want to do it. Yeah.
1: I think kind of along the same lines of that, it's cool to look at this whole section that we read this week, thinking about the fact that all this time, David is anointed to be the next king
0: Mm. and he
1: doesn't say anything. He goes about doing his thing like that. I think probably gave him a lot of confidence, but I think that can kind of tie into that whole analogy of like, leaning into being who God made you to be and doing things how, when you know who God has created you to be, you just do the things. And that's what David's doing. I think he's like, whatever, like in 18, whatever Saul gave David to do, he did it and he did it well. So he's like almost this guy working behind the scenes, becoming even more of a pretty awesome guy but like in a humble way, like he's never going up to Saul and being like, do you realize who I am? Like you're Mm. trying to shoot me with or hit me with a thing. I'm here. I'm the next king. And here I am playing music for you to make you feel better. Like, do Mm. you realize who I am? I feel like there are a lot of things that David, if we just look at his character, it's kind of cool to watch how he just, does his thing. Like he Mm -hmm. is confident in what God has called him to do. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if anybody else knows that or when people know that. He's just fully, he's faithful to what God has called him to do without any regard or thought to if anyone else knows that he's being faithful to what God's called him to do.
0: Yes. You know what you're saying? Totally echoes. And I've got Boaz ringing in my head again, since I'm still kind of like chewing on that from when we were reading through Ruth right after judges this time. And Boaz is still kind of like just, He just stands out to me big time. Mm -hmm. But what like that big lesson in Boaz is that Boaz wasn't paying, like Boaz didn't know that he was going to bring forth the Messiah. Like he didn't, or that his life was going to do that. He was just being faithful. He was living a faithful life to what God had called him to be within his realm, within his realm, like just not concerned with what other people were doing. He was just doing what he was called to do and being faithful. And knowing now, you know, thinking if it's Boaz, Obed, Jesse, David, you know, this is when I think about Jesse and his household, he probably was, I mean, Jesse's household, David's probably grown up in that kind of a culture where it's just mm-hmm. like, we're going to be, we're going to live faithful lives to what God has called us to do. Then, and, mm-hmm. and out of Jesse's family comes, comes this David who knows how to live faithfully in the midst mm-hmm. of, of all of that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. So I kind of think of David not wanting to come out as being King as sort of similar. Uh, so I really identify with Saul hiding in the baggage when, you know, when God is trying to like determine who, when Samuel's trying to show who's King <laughs> yep. and they're calling forth all of these different clans and they can't, and he's like, go find Saul. He's hiding in the baggage, you know? And I, I feel like, yeah. you know, for Saul, it would be like, well, if God really wants me to be King, he's going to have to find me here in the baggage because I'm just not sure. Yeah. And um, I kind of wonder whether that's sort of David's like, if David, if God wants me to be king, he's going to have to make it happen. Doesn't I wonder whether when this. he slays yeah. 10,000 to solve thousands, whether mm-hmm. like that's when he's like, oh, I see how this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is how this is going to work. This sure is a painful, painful trail to kingship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so when, when Saul
1: first, I don't remember everything that's happening, but Saul is first going to give David his oldest son. Or oldest daughter Mirab as a wife, and David's like, "Why? I'm nobody. Like, why would you?" Which is funny that David says, "Why? I'm nobody. Why would you give me your wife or your daughter?" When he's knows he's not nobody, like yeah. King. And so then Saul changes his mind and he gives her to someone else. And I think this is where it is. Yeah, yeah. So then the king, so Saul makes this deal with David. That if you go and kill 100 Philistines, then you can have Michael. Like, I'll give you, I'll make you my son-in-law. The foreskins. He has to deliver. Oh, so this just says, oh, this okay. just says kill 100 Philistines. Yeah. He oh, four, um, four. he does bring evidence back in a sack. Okay, that's funny. Yeah. This doesn't talk the about that. The message takes all. that out. <laughs> yes, it does. The, the message <laughs> takes the gruesome details out mm-hmm. of. But David, when he hears that, he's like, oh, that's all I have to do? Right. <laughs> Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? Like that's a piece of cake. He doesn't, oh, okay. Well, that's easy. I guess okay. for us, my wife, because he just goes and does it. Like it's not a big deal at all. And that's after that whole Saul killing by the thousands and David killing by the 10,000. So you're probably right. Saul. Or by then David's recognizing,
0: I got this. this yeah. Is, Should we go funny. to Lamin- or Jeremiah and Lamentations? Yes. I have one thing, Jer- uh, two things, I guess. Um, the first one is the king at, at the end who was brought back and made king again in Jerusalem. I feel mm-hmm. that uh, I would not have gotten this on my own. I happened to look down at the commentary and I really lo- like the way that they were kind, of, were kind of explaining that as sort of a foreshadowing of God's. That's what he was going to do with Israel. Like he was going to take them out and then he was going to bring them back and restore them. And that what mm-hmm. he did with that king was kind of a symbolism of what mm-hmm. he was going to do with Israel I thought that was kind of cool
1: mm-hmm. that is the cool.
0: other thing is I so you read my devotion already so you know this but I've been kind of going over like how did Sodom and Gomorrah get destroyed and Israel does the exact same thing at the end of Judges and he's going to redeem them
1: hmm
0: This caught me in Lamentations, Lamentations 4. The punishment of my dear people is greater than that of Sodom, which was overthrown in an instant without a hand laid on it. Interesting. Okay. That caught my eye too.
1: But mine says the evil guilt of my dear people, not the punishment, which that, because I'm like, what does that mean? That it kind of tripped me up. Well, that
0: makes more sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Because all the verses before it are talking about the mothers that have to watch the babies dying in the streets and the starvation. And like, Mm -hmm. it's far worse to like, he's like agonizing for the women of Israel Mm -hmm. specifically, because these women are watching their nursing babies dry Mm -hmm. up and shrivel in their hands. Like he's watching women eat their babies because Mm -hmm. there's nothing to eat. Like, and, and that's what, remember, it says that in Deuteronomy, if you do this, he talks about the disgusting thing. Oh yeah, it's there. And yeah. This is what's happening. Like, exactly what happened. I mean, I don't think I've ever read, I'm sure I did last year. I'm sure we said the exact same thing, but I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is all literal. Like, we read over it, like, it's a sad symbolic thing, but it's like they it literally were watching women eat their babies, which is exactly what God said was going to happen mm-hmm. to them, you know? And that's where, so I really loved that verse. When it was like, the punishment of my dear people is greater than that of Sodom, which mm-hmm. was overthrown in an instant without a hand laid on it. Cause it's like, this is far worse. This, Yes. Judgment is far worse than Sodom and Gomorrah's. So that was good perspective in relation to having just asked that question. Why did God redeem Israel and he just destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? And it's like, well, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: sometimes the road to redemption is more painful than we can possibly imagine. Yeah. And then it gets beautiful. Where the things that it meant- says, like his mercy's being new every morning, <laughs> mm-hmm. you champion my, like his hope that's in him. You covered yourself in anger and pursued us. You have killed without compassion. You've covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can be caught through. You've made us disgusting filth among the peoples. And then it turns. Mm-hmm. Um, you came near whenever I called you. You said, do not be afraid. You championed my cause, Lord. You redeemed my life. Lord, you saw the wrong done to me and judge my case. You saw all their vengefulness all their plots against me. Um, Where are you? I'm sorry. That's um, three verses 57 through 60. Um, but even in three mm-hmm. even if he causes suffering, he will show compassion. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, just it's, it's really yeah, beautiful. The master 31, the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard and throwing roadblocks in the way. That made me think again of what we've talked about before about God's heart and what, like he's doing this. Like we talked about this, I think too, when we talked about God sending that, sending the Israelites to Babylon was a little bit of a protection for them in a way, Mm -hmm. like discipline and protection at the same time. And that that's not his delight is in the restoration. Yes. He's not going to walk out and fail to return because that's where he finds pleasure in caring for his people.
0: He does not afflict from his heart. Right. And that it's all wrapped up in like, you were
1: talking about how all of this was listed in Deuteronomy or wherever, Mm -hmm. like this is all God still keeping his promises. Like it's the, it's the justice of God that he says, he set this up with his people and said, if you do this, I will do this. If you do this or don't do this, then I will do this. Like this is the deal that none of this is out of vengeance. Like, it's just like God laid it all out. You have life and death before you today, Mm -hmm. choose life. And they didn't, they chose death. And so all of this is, Yeah, keeping his covenant with his people, because this is how he set the covenant up in the first place. But he's like, even in the midst of me keeping my side of the bargain, there is grace in abundance. Like I, I, you are still my people. Yes, even though I have to
0: do this because I'm God, I'm going to bring you back. Okay. So this totally makes me think of this idea that like, what you're basically saying is that God God is proving that he is who he says he is and he will mm-hmm. do what he says he will, do. He says and he will do. And that means both, that means all mm-hmm. the good both sides and of the story. all of the bad it's, it all mm-hmm. comes together. And so by God doing this, it, sh- it again, is just proving his faithfulness to his word so that we can trust him. So that when we get mm-hmm. to Isaiah and it says, I will be angry with them no more. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is who he is. And so if, if we are living in the new covenant under Christ, mm-hmm. he he, angry, he is not angry with us. He He mm-hmm. is not angry with us and he will never be angry with us because he said mm-hmm. under the new covenant in Christ, I will never be angry again. I will never, mm-hmm. ever be angry again. Like what a great how it would have sucked to be Jerusalem, but thank you, Lord, that you can show us that you are who you say you are and you will do what you say you will Mm do. When I live in Christ, I live free from any condemnation, as it says in Romans, free from Mm -hmm. any, I don't have to worry about, there's no angry God in the sky over Mm -hmm. me and what I've done. Like I am completely and totally redeemed and restored and righteous in his eyes. Like that's Mm -hmm. just, what I was going to say is that it reminds me of being in a room with somebody And saying a hard thing, saying a lot of really good things and encouraging things, but saying a hard thing that wasn't what they wanted, I was pretty sure they didn't want to hear. But when they came back a week later, it was, if you hadn't said that hard thing, I wouldn't have known that the rest of it was true. I wouldn't have been able to hear the rest of it and be able to, and be encouraged by the rest of it, because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known that you weren't just saying things to comfort me, but because you said the hard thing that I didn't want to hear right like that's what i look at when i'm like this is the like because god did this hard thing we know that he will do what he says he will do like we can trust him because he did this really hard terrible thing that's so cool yeah the good goes with the bad like and the bad makes the good all the more good trustworthy and true right yeah
1: yeah that's good stuff
0: romans yep and first corinthians Everything that is not from faith is sin. Romans 14, 23. I love that line. I, I mean, he's talking about, um, basically like for our freedom, we're allowed to live in our freedom, but when we do things and we have doubt that we should be doing it and we're not doing it in complete faith that God has made all things clean, that that doubt, is what stands and condemns us because we're not doing it in faith. Mm-hmm. And so when we mm-hmm. live our freedom, we should be living it in total and complete faith. Mm-hmm. But I really love the idea that, I mean, there's so much wrapped up in this, but the idea of not judging each other in what's what we think is right. If somebody's acting according to their conscience, let them act according to their conscience. Mm-hmm. If it's different than yours, stop arguing about mm-hmm. it. Let them have it and you do your thing mm-hmm. and let them do their thing and stop quarreling about it. And one of the things that I love the most, and I'm not sure if it means what I think it means, but in Romans um, 14, verse four, it says, who are you to judge another's household servant? And he's talking, he's making the an analogy between a household servant and a servant of the Lord. So the master being the Lord and the servant being um, us. It says before his own Lord he stands or falls and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. I think like my understanding of what I'm reading there and I like I said I'm open to being wrong but it sounds like when we're living according to our conscience and we're watching other people live with in a way that seems different than what we think is the right way to live that we can this is, this is the way that I try to look at it anyway, but I feel like it just kind of affirms or confirms the way that I've looked at it, which is that like, I can just trust that, like I can give them over to the Lord in faith, like, however mm-hmm. they're doing it, if it looks so wrong to me, I can trust that that person, because they're in Christ will stand because the Lord is able to make them stand. Mm-hmm. God will take care of it. And I don't need to, I don't need to be the Holy spirit in all of that. For right. them. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: it's interesting, because that's one of the things I was thinking when I was reading through this is that as believers, as the church, we spend so much of our time trying to correct yes. everyone else's. Yes. Which Okay, so there's that. And I was, so I'm reading this thinking that's like in 14, maybe verse 17 or 18, it says your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ do that. And you'll kill two birds with one stone, pleasing the God above you and proving your worth to the people around you. And he's talking about this in the, in the midst of like, get along with everybody. Like, just get along, be helpful, <laughs> be kind, like just get along. And so, which I'm like, this is, I some sound, Paul sounds like me with my kids, just get along. So I'm reading that thinking, okay, exactly what you said, like, God, I can trust I can entrust other people to the Holy spirit to do his thing. Yes. But then the flip side of that is like, there isn't, we do have an aspect of responsibility to one another. And then later Paul talks about, I don't remember if it was in Romans or first Corinthians, he's talking about like watching out for the people that are taking bits and pieces of what I'm teaching you Mm. and not embracing all of it and then twisting it. And so like that or putting
0: whole- yokes or stumbling blocks in people like that's when he says that later, instead decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're getting at, for me, it reminds me of a conversation I had 12 years ago with a mom who was just talking about how yoga is so bad. And if you just do the pose that you're worshiping, that you're allowing, whatever, I it was just right. a weird conversation. And I was like, you know, in my head, it was like, okay, you stand by your conviction and I'll stand in my freedom and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But what I, what concerned me is the idea that she's teaching other people right. that they can lose their salvation or, or somehow be afflicted by demons because they're stretching in certain dog Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So it's. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Is it? It's like yes, we have freedom, and we are free to let other people do their things. But even Paul is like, really circumcision. Circumcision is where right. we're going to draw the line. That like you have to be circumcised, and or- if you're going to follow one part of the law, you have to follow the whole law. So right, right. Paul, like this balance, like that's this is what walking in the spirit is. Right, is figuring out like mm-hmm. where where is the balance between letting let live and let live. Yes, yes. and making sure that people know and are living according to the freedom of the gospel. that He came to set us free. Right.
1: Because discipleship is the real thing that we're called to do. Paul does, which that involves mature Christians taking less mature Christians under their wing and making them more like Christ. So there, it's not, you're right. It's this balance that is It's both of those, it's another one of those like both and things that we've talked about a billion times when it comes to who God is. Like, yes, the Holy Spirit is capable of doing whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it, which, shoot, what was, that was another thing. Oh, Oh man, let me think, let me think, let me think. Oh, so back in first Samuel, when, do you remember at the end when Saul keeps sending prophets? to find yes. he's trying to find David yes. and it happens three times and he keeps sending them and like they get like absorbed into this whole prophet party that's yes. happening and <laughs> more people and then they start prophesying so then he's like fine I'll just go myself and then the same <laughs> thing happens to him except he's just naked. Laugh, at his feet. <laughs> except he's naked and babbling and crazy but I was just it made me chuckle because it was another one of those like well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Like that is definitely not how I would have solved that problem, but God does not work the way that I work. So just that whole (laughs) idea that like he can do whatever he wants, however he wants to do it. And he has the power and ability to do that. And yet he, for some reason also chooses to use other people in the lives of other people. So it is just this balance of I don't know, like you said, walking in the spirit, that's when we know too, when, we, when to keep our mouths shut and when to speak.
0: Yes. So
1: that goes back to that.
0: Yes. Oh. That's the recap. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.